Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, April 22nd, 2016. Today we are reading from the Big Book, Chapter 4, and we are at page 55, the last paragraph. Today's readers are Duell, Nancy H., and Jane B. The reference number for Thursday, April 21st, is 8682. That's 8682. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Marita S.O. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Katie. This is Marita S.O. from Virginia. Thank you for your service. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to to overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Marita. I will now ask Martha D. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Martha D., a recovered compulsive overeater in Pennsylvania. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. 
three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards of, or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Martha. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book, chapter four, on page 55, the last paragraph. I will ask Duell to begin reading, and she's going to read four paragraphs, and we'll comment on all that. She reads. Thank you. Good morning. In this book, you will read the experience of a man who thought he was an atheist. His story is so interesting that some of it should be told now. His change of heart was dramatic and convincing and moving. Our friend was a minister's son. He attended the church where he became uh, rebellious at what he thought was an overdose of religion education, religious education. For years after, he dodged, do, uh, dogged by trouble and um, frustration. Business failure, insanity, fatal illness, suicide, these calamities in his immediate family embittered and depressed him. Post-war delusionment, Ever more serious uh, alcoholism and pending mental and physical collapse brought him to the point of self-destruction. One night, when confined in a hospital, he was approached by the alcoholic who had known a spiritual experience. Our friend's gorge rose as he bitterly cried out, If there is a God, he certainly hasn't done anything for me. 
But later, alone in the room, he asked himself this question. Is it possible that all the religious people I have known are wrong? Um, while pondering, the answer he felt as though he lived in hell. Then, like a thunderbolt, a great thought came. It crowded out all else. Who are you to say there is no God? And good morning. My name is Duke, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. By the grace of God, today, um, celebrating two anniversaries, one for AA and one for OA. Um, AA, 11 years, and OA, two years. And by the grace of God, I'm here. And I um, just wanted to mention that, you know, in this story, um, this fellow was having... Um, you know, a, a hard time coming to a, a conception of God because he was he was being hit by, you know, by his dilemma. His dilemma is that he made alcohol his God all this time. And when his God failed him and he saw that, you know, um, he felt that he had an overdose of religion education and he felt that all the calamities of the world were not being taken care of by God because he saw, you know, he saw the unmanageability in his life. He saw the failures of his family, you know, fatal illnesses, suicide, business failures. Uh, he saw it all. And, you know, and when he was confined in the hospital dealing with his alcoholic problem, um, someone who, who had known the spiritual experience, and this is the key here, only one who can, who is recovered can carry this message to someone else, someone who ha had that experience with this higher power. Um, he, he was asked a question, you know, he, he was telling the guy, is, is, if there is a God, he certainly hasn't done anything for me. And that, that's true. Like, to that point, he didn't have a higher power doing anything for him. But as soon as he conceded and he opened his mind up, believing that there was a God, that there was a higher power, he, once he accepted this concept, once he made the decision to open his mind, everything became easier. It was like he became on a broader highway. It became easier for him to see God. It became easier for him to see the impossible become impossible. And, you know, and why can't he find God? Because God is not lost. You know, this higher power is not lost. And, and he had to finally fully conceive in his innermost self that there was a, a higher power, that there was a God um, for him that could work for him. And on page 49, it says, you know, that the most cynical um, you know, those people that are most cynical in dissecting spiritual beliefs and practices might have observed that many spiritually minded persons of all races, colors, and creeds were demonstrating a degree of stability, happiness, and usefulness, which we should have sought ourselves. And that's what convinced him. What convinced him of a higher power is that he saw it working in others. He saw it in this recovered person who brought the message of recovery to him. And so we're going to learn more about that, and um, I'm going to pass with that. Thank you, Du. Okay, who would like to share on this uh, section? Can, can you just repeat the page number we're on? 
were uh, started at the bottom of page 55 and read through four paragraphs ending with, who are you to say there is no God? Okay, thank you very much. Good morning, this is Carolyn H. from Massachusetts. Okay, Carolyn H., who else would like to share? Renata. Hey, this is Linda D. in Connecticut I'd like to share. Linda D. Sharon H. in Colorado. Sharon H., okay. Okay, let's go with those four. Uh, Carolyn H., Renata G., Linda D., and and Sharon H. I remember myself, it was um, eight years ago, sitting in a meeting saying, God, if you're there, you better show me now because I'm all set. I can't do this anymore. And it was before I actually cracked open the big book and started reading the pages. And somebody was gracious enough to give me a phone number for a phone meeting that was um, out there and available and it was doing exactly what we're doing now. And it took me through the big book, paragraph by paragraph. And I finally realized that I needed to be a part of this with these people. I needed to find out how they are talking to each other because they're doing it somehow because all I was listening to were recordings. And I realized at that moment that God truly existed. That was my lightning bolt. That was my wham. That God truly existed and he gave me exactly what I was what I needed because I was ripe and ready and open to receive it. I wasn't ready before that. I spent 24 years in this program and this August will be 9 years since this has happened. But 24 years in program before I realized that there was a God and who was I to question whether or not he existed. Because of all I went through, yes, God was there. No, God wasn't there. Yes, God was there. I am so grateful today that I have this program, that I have this big book, that I have these steps, these guidelines to help me follow through and see that if it's not going exactly the way I want, It's because I'm not in alignment with the God of my understanding today. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Carolyn H. and Renata G., you're up. Thank you, Katie, for your service. Good morning, family. This is Renata G., Recovered Composable Reader in New York. And uh, what I want to focus on today is, you know, he says, while pondering the answer. He felt as though he lived in hell. Then, like a thunderbolt, a great thought came. It clouded all else. And, you know, who are you to say there is no God? And so while pondering, you know, just maybe, he became open-minded enough to consider a different perspective, a different idea, a different possibility. And, you know, it says that Uh, He was approached by, you know, uh, an alcoholic who had known spiritual experience. And, I mean, that's what happened to me. You know, when I came to A Vision for You, I was approached by people who who have had 
a, a spiritual experience, people in whom the problem had been solved, people that really understood what was like to live in this bondage with food and unmanageability and the hell that is to live in this disease, and they were free. And so, you know, they were telling me that I was 100% powerless. And if I was a real compulsive reader, my only solution would be a spiritual solution. And so, you know, instead of, you know, like our friend here says, uh, is it possible that all the religious people I have known are wrong? Is it possible that everything I've tried, I've been trying my entire life, they have no effect on this disease? Is it possible that these 12 steps that people are talking about could work for me too. That's all I need. Just a little bit of an open mind, just a maybe, you know, and then, you know, God does the rest, you know, God, her power, whatever you want to call it. This, whatever it is, this spiritual force that needs to give me power so I can recover because on my own, I don't have it. So I really want to just pay attention on this. You know, if we open our mind enough just to consider a possibility that this step work could work for us too, that's all we need to start the process. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Renata. Linda D., you're up, and then Sharon H. Good morning. It's Linda D. from Connecticut. Um, And I am... So amazed and grateful, grateful to be a recovered compulsive overeater for over three years. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> I've been in OA 33 years and in and out and all of that business. And um, I, I'm i really moved by what we have just read because it's one thing to read it in a book. It's another thing to have it happen to you. That happened to that man. It happened to me, too. And I was an atheist. There was no, almost no doubt in my mind. Um, overeducated and a smartass. And very, very, very scared of my life because all those disasters happened to me, not just to other people in my family. And... Um, and I was willing to set aside that set aside prayer saved my life. One of the things that did, willing to do something, no steps. I was willing to do something that I did not think would work for me, and but I was willing to do it. I, I was pretty sure nothing would show up when I asked a question that was offered to me by a stranger, to ask God, show me that you're real beyond a shadow of a doubt. And look for coincidences every time you ask that, and you can ask it as much as you want. And I thought, okay, I'm that terrified of my life. I will do that. And I did. And I did the step work. And little by little, I saw this energy is real. And and this energy or entity, however you experience this, has saved my life, has given me a life far beyond anything I ever expected. I have problems, and guess who I solve them through? God. 
and using the fellowship as well, of course, because you don't know where this energy is going to show up. But this is very, very real. So if you're really desperate and you put down, excuse me, the frat, you know, the the I know it all attitude, which I had, and just set aside and see if there isn't some other um, experience in life, because there is, and you will be just as amazed as I was and as I am. And is grateful. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Carolyn. Sharon H., you're up. Good morning, Katie. This is uh, Sharon H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado by God's Grace. And, um, wow, this paragraph just reminds me of of my own life and and my family. We were very religious. And... um, I did have an overdose of religious education, went all through parochial school. My whole life and my family was surrounded by our religious beliefs. However, there was also all these troubles and frustrations within my family and myself later on with fatal illness, uh, mental illness, um, depression, all of those things. And... um, as a result of that, after a period of years, I ended up in a 12-step program. And that was the beginning of a journey of life that took me beyond what I could ever imagine. However, my experience when it came to OA, I came in in 1981. But I didn't uh, think I had a problem, per se, like I did with alcohol. I thought that I was, um, I just needed to get this weight off from when I had been in a severe depression and gained a lot of weight because I was obsessed with food weight and dieting from an early age. And um, so I went through this process for years and years in different aspects of OA. And with um, uh, short-term abstinence in the 90s, um, I still was plagued with um, this mental obsession. And it wasn't until... I began listening by the grace of someone that told me about this phone line meeting, which I'd never been on a phone line meeting. Um, And they were in the doctor's opinion. And um, I just have to say it again and again. You know, God shined that laser beam of light into my mind that had become very darkened, uh, skeptic. I've done this. I've done that. I've done the steps a million times, blah, blah, blah and I still can't stay abstinent. And I, too, somebody else was telling my story. (laughs) I was given the set-aside prayer and told that I needed to let go of everything I thought I knew and to follow the instructions of uh, the step guide and go through this book just like it was laid out and use it like a textbook. And uh, because of that, uh, by God's grace today, I was able to see when it came to food, it was a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body just like the alcohol had been so many years before. And by his grace, I'm now uh, coming up on um, about two and a half, well, more than two and a half, about two years and nine months in this program, free from the bondage of food addiction and all of its devastating consequences. So I am just... So grateful, and I always have to ask God, help me see this through new eyes, God. And I have to remind myself, who am I to say there is no God when I've seen it happen and make people's lives turn around in in uh, so many ways and in so many different rooms. 
So with that, I pass, and I welcome everybody out on the line today. Keep coming back. Thanks, Katie. Thank you, Sharon H., and that was Linda D. Um, before Sharon, and now we're opening it up for who else would like to share on these, this section. Next, Janice M. Janice M. Okay, I've got um, Nessa, Janice M., Larry K., Kim G. Kim G. Corey A. I'm sorry, is that Lori A? Corey A. Uh, Corey A. Okay. Okay, and so it was Nessa, right? That's the begin. Sue G. Okay. Yeah, I was Nessa R. Okay, thank you, Nessa. Um, Sue G. Okay. So let's go with those six. We have Nessa R, Janice M, Larry K, Kim G, Corey A, and Sue G. Nessa, you're up. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, welcome to you. My name is Nessa R, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, it's so funny. We just uh, read uh, this very same story this past Wednesday at my uh, face-to-face meeting here in Toronto. And... Uh, you know, this is the story of six, six M, and it's found on uh, page two hundred eight or something like that in the in the back of the book. Um, he's one of the, um, the, I guess, the original, um, the alcoholics. And um, what's interesting about six is not only he was uh, an atheist, but he was also a really low bottom drunk. Like in, if you read this story, it's just uh, an incredible story. Like how much pain can a person endure? Um, and he was in, a, in a, a hospital for alcoholics. And when you read the story, there's a, um, a, a, a passage there that says, I don't have any phone with me because I only have my pocket, uh, my pocket book, uh, pocket version of the book. Um, but the, the guy said something to him like, you know, there are men in the streets of New York who uh, were much worse than you, if you can imagine that, um, who are now walking free men, free free of the, uh, the obsession um, to drink. And all that was required is that, you know, you admit powerlessness and that you accept that you need that power because armed with those two realizations, then we are willing to do whatever it takes because everything that we have tried, everything we have tried has failed. Now, I wasn't um, as low a bottom um, compulsive overeater as this guy uh, was a drinker. You know, I came in um, about, you know, 70 pounds overweight on a five foot one uh, body. So, you know, I wasn't that bad yet. Um, And all that was needed of me was to admit that I am powerless over food, that I'm powerless over people, place, and situations, and that nothing can help me. Uh, Nothing that is of a human nature can help me because I have tried it all. Um, as soon as I accepted that God was the answer, I was, I was on my way. Of course, it took me quite a long time in the rooms to do that, and it took a very knowledgeable, loving sponsor to take me through the big book, to take me through the steps exactly as that line for me to actually realize that, because I was one of those who actually did believe in God, and I had faith in God. Um, but yet it was not a faith that was working because I was blocked from God and um, I needed the steps to unblock me. But I started by uh, admitting the powerlessness 
submitting the need for that power to act in my life. And with that, um, I will pass. Thank you. Okay. Um, thank you, Nessa. And I just want to remind everyone to please stay muted by pressing star one, not just muting your phone. Um, and now we will have uh, Janice M. followed by Larry Kay. Well, thank you, Katie. And uh, would you kindly um, uh, time me? I don't have a timer. Um, good morning to you and good morning, everyone. My name is Janice M. And I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Well, this story is for me identification, 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 like Bill's story. First of all, it, um, you know, this is me. This is me. Uh, this was me, was me in disease. And this is a great example of disease before becoming willing to believe. Because that's, all, that's the point here, is to, you know, have a change of heart, which means have a change of thinking. Um, you know, open my mind. Um, was I rebellious? Absolutely. Was I, re- was I defiant? Absolutely. Was I in self-pity? You know, when he says, <clears throat> well, God didn't do anything for me. Well, poor me, poor me, poor me. Um, was I bitter? Was I defiant? This, it, it just throws right in my face how I was. And, you know, I lived right <clears throat> across the street from a church and I had so much self-pity because, you know, we, we had a business and we owned a bakery. And there I was, 5 o'clock in the morning, waiting on these people. And, um, you know, coming from church, um, still drunk from the night before, Saturday nights. And um, my thinking, <laughs> I acted like I thought, you know. And uh, as a man thinketh, so is he. And this is this was me. Um, and, and before... Before I can know a higher power, okay, I have to be willing to believe. I don't know right away. This is step two. I can't know him. Maybe I I knew him in another relationship, but not the relationship after I went through the steps. So this is the beginning, the change of heart, the change of thinking, Um, just be willing to believe. It doesn't say, okay, now step two, you have to believe, otherwise you can't go on. This is not, because I don't, I I didn't know my higher power until I went through the, through the, uh, through these steps. So it's very simple here. The whole point is to open my mind, change my mind, be willing to believe before knowing um, a higher power. And that's all it is. So this recaptured the, the, the character of defects that, that I had. And um, that's the only thing I have to do is be willing to change because nothing else worth, worked. My, my thinking got me here. So it's, just, it's simple, simple. Just be willing. You don't know what's going to happen. So it's rethinking. It's rethinking. And um, that's all I needed. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Katie and everyone. Thank you. You had nine seconds. Okay, next we have Larry Kay, followed by Kim G. <laughs> Thanks, Katie. Uh, Larry Kay, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Um, yeah, I love the shares. I love what we read uh, this morning. The, um, you know, for me, you know, um, this is spiritual kindergarten, you know, and, um, and that's, that's the way Bill described it. And uh, I think it's, it's apropos, you know, the, you know, um, I didn't get here 
in alignment with God's will for me. I got here a broken man, you know. Um, I got here where um, I had all the degrees, you know. I had all the all the stuff on paper, looked pretty good, you know. Of course, you know, I hid all the, uh, I didn't want you to see the, you know, the two liposuction surgeries. Oh, my goodness. I don't want you to know about that. So what is it? You know, what is it? Why, why can I admit that to you? You know, and uh, doesn't create any angst for me. That's uh, I don't shut the door in my past. I don't wish to shut the door on it. See, I'm free by the grace of God. I'm, I'm free today as the result of these steps. You know, we all, we all um, perhaps come to believe in, in something, you know, as a result of these steps. I know my life is different today. Um, perhaps, perhaps I'm delusional. I, I don't know. But I'll tell you, you know, I, I like to describe it. It makes me feel good to describe it, that here's how my delusion looks today. I do believe in a higher power of my own understanding. I don't binge my brains out anymore. Okay, nor am I holding my breath underwater. It doesn't feel like that anymore. Life still happens on life's terms. Uh, but as a result of these steps, I did come to believe. I didn't believe in step two, but I, I came to believe that there was this power. I can't define the power for me, let alone you. For goodness sake, I'm not going to define it for you. I, I can't even necessarily define it for me. But the point is, is I know that uh, I'm not this higher power, okay? And, um, and I know that when I came to, to these rooms, I saw some people, some people where they, they, there was a change that came over them and they talked about, you know, being in alignment with their higher power. They didn't talk about it, their food plan and so forth. They, you know, why? Because they weren't obsessed with the food anymore. You know, this program is a beautiful, beautiful program. And uh, I just, uh, I'm, I'm so grateful that, you know, that we have this book, these instructions that bring us to a place, you know, to this state where this obsession can be lifted. And uh, I'm very grateful for that. Thank God for, uh, for Alcoholics Anonymous. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. And now we have Kim G. followed by Corey A. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim Jay, and I'm a recovered compulsive reader from South Jersey. Is it possible that all the religious people I have known are wrong? And who are you to say there is no God? You know, the way I like to personalize that is, is it possible that all the recovered people I have known are wrong? And who am I to say there is no higher power? Who am I to say there, the 12 steps don't work? You know, I, I think of page 25 where it says we've had a deep and effective spiritual experience you know, we've heard a lot of people talk about being in program a long time, and that doesn't match up with how long they've been recovered. My, my story is the same. I've been in OA for 22 years, but I've only been recovered for five. What I found is in this first 17 years, I found relief through the fellowship, but I never found freedom, never found freedom. And I blamed Overeaters Anonymous for that. But I had to ask myself, is it really that the 12 steps don't work, or is it that I haven't done the 12 steps 12 steps as laid out in this book, as laid out by the people who founded this program in the 1930s that has never had to be changed. These pages have never needed to be changed because they work. So what do I have to do? I have to lay aside my prejudices. 
my prejudice when I read this book and it was alcohol, but I'm a compulsive overeater. And I got to the point where I didn't care it said alcohol because I saw myself in this book as a compulsive overeater. I had to give up the idea of food. When other people talked about their binge foods, I had to personalize it to say, well, you might be allergic to these foods, but I understand you're talking about an allergy and these are my specific binge foods. I had to lay aside my prejudices about that word God. I had to do, what does that word mean to me? What does a higher power mean to me? It doesn't mean to me, me a religious God. And what I got to the point was that I had to admit that my ideas were killing me. And that this God idea worked for other people. That my belief that these 12 steps and this recovery process worked for others was enough for me to take step two. You know, the higher power I had at the time I recovered is very different than the higher power I have today. I've worked with many, many people over these five years. Yeah. And I have found that it's no stumbling block if you're an atheist, agnostic, or a believer. I've seen atheists become believers. I've seen believers become atheists. The thing is that the higher power is not optional. Step two is that we need a power. That is the conclusion we come to in step three. What I have found is that the main thing is I have to quit playing God. The problem was I thought I was God. I learned in page 24 and 25 that I'm beyond human aid. So the danger I see is when they make G-O-D, God, the group of drunks, when we make the fellowship a higher power, when we're told in page 55 that the, that the God is deep down inside of us and we decide that we are the higher power, that I've got to get in touch with me, and then I'm going to be okay. A higher power is not us and has to be greater than us. Beyond that, it can be whatever you need to be. It can be principles. It can be a religious God. It can be nature. It can be Buddha. It can be Jesus. It can be Muhammad. It can be anything. But having a higher power is not optional. We have to come to that conclusion we need a power, and that propels us to step three. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. And now Corey A. Can you hear me? Yes. This is Corey A. in North Carolina. And this conversation, the one one line keeps coming up that I heard before I ever got into the 12-step program when I was actually, my first job was working in a, a drug and alcohol treatment center, and I heard someone say that um, it was a very uh, street-level uh, drug and alcohol center. And there was a, a, a great... Um, a great fellowship within that hospital um, uh, among the people that came there. But the, I, I heard the quote there that has basically reverberated through my entire program for the last 35 years, and it's nobody is too dumb to get sober, but plenty of people are too smart. And I, I find that I am in that category more often than not, that I'm the, I'm the, you know, that whenever my program starts to fall apart, it's because I've gotten too smart for it. And, um, you know, and I've placed my thinking above everyone else's experience, strength, and hope. And it's not that there's anything particularly wrong with my mind. You know, my, the, the same mind that can rip me to shreds can also bring in ideas like, you know, do you live in a friendly universe or a hostile universe? You know, and right now that's basically where my, my experience of, of God lies. It's like I don't know whether God has a, you know, has a personality, but, you know, I do know that I am not – I'm not the universe and that the universe works in ways that I can't even begin to imagine. And 
that I can be open to it or I can be closed to it. And when I'm eating, I'm closed to it. When I'm eating, I'm closed to wonder. I'm closed to mystery. I am closed to coincidence. I am closed to blessing or grace. And when I'm not in the food, you know, I, I certainly could, I could manage not to be open to those things, I guess. Um, but it's, it, it, you know, when I'm not in the food, the possibility that there's something greater than me stays with me all the time. And so that's really all I want to say today is just acknowledging, you know, that today I don't live, it's enough of a uh, uh, coming to believe in a power greater than myself. It's enough for me to simply ask my question, ask the question, do I live in a friendly universe or do I live in a hostile universe? And since that was apparently a quote from Einstein, it satisfies both the part of me that's too smart to get sober and the part of me that's so dumb that it will accept this program. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Corey. And now we'll have Sue G. Good morning. This is Sue G from Michigan. I like to say I'm from Michigan because I think there's only two or three of us from the whole loop and the whole group from Michigan, at least from what I found out. Um, it sounds to me like Someone came and gave their testimony that they talked about. We talked about that yesterday. And it must have been a religious testimony because it says spiritual experience. And so he went back. And and I had to go back and think about the overload of religion that I had. Um, I didn't see this overload at the time. But I saw it as, can I say, one-sided, where it was all it was all Jesus, and it wasn't the Father, it wasn't the Creator, um, and I didn't know how to put that into uh, the fullness of God in my life, and so I lived on this one-sided part of of what religious people would say the Trinity, but I mean, I just looked on one side of it. But then he went back and he started thinking, could they all be wrong? You know, um, could all these religious people be wrong? Be wrong? And um, and so then it was like, well, who am I to say there is no God? And as we go on, and the, there's more of him getting onto the the highway or the, uh, they call it something different, but Bill likes to change his words. But I mean, I'm just, you know, they say that, you know, we're not a religious organization and we certainly aren't. But even in the beginning of this, he says, you know, we'd like to keep it clear, but, you know, we're going to talk about religion. And my own opinion is that, is that every time we come upon the word religion um, or the phrase that spiritual experience uses, for religious experience. We shy away from it. And I've decided I'm not shying away from it. It's being used, the word's being used, and for me, the religious experience um, works for me. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sue G. Is there anyone else who would like to share on this paragraph, this section? Monica. Sure. Charles H., Monica, Alice M. Okay. 
Okay, go ahead, Charles H. Thank you for your service. Charles H., a recovered composable reader. Um, as we come near to the close of We Agnostics, I've been hearing people take shots, and it's just it's just like, wow, really? Um, so w- w- what I get from this is like, you know, I need a power. <laughs> Bottom line, lack of power is my dilemma. That's what it's saying in the beginning of the chapter. But um, the thought that, I, that came to my mind is, you know, people, you know, I, I get it. People say that they're too busy to work the steps. Um, you know, I, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. You hear um, the job, the family, the husband, the wife, or you hear all that. Um, but I, I had a thought. If, if, if I was to die as a result of this disease, I would have all the time in the world to, to, to then work the steps. But wouldn't it be a little too late at that point? So, um, <laughs> so. For anybody that is really having um, trouble with this with this power idea, um, I suggest reading the the third part of, of the book where you see all these people um, that went through the mills and to you know put their life through the mills and and, and receive the higher power. You know, um, for example, gutter bravado when life didn't feel right. They talked about developing faith and relying on my higher power. They told me that lack of power was my dilemma and that there is a solution. That's gutter bravado. Then, then um, vision of recovery, I now understand that the spiritual malady should be my main concern, and the more faith uh, I have, the fewer problems I will have, and that's a vision of recovery. So, you know, that that third part of of the story, the whole part of the story is is, is great because it see how people um, went crazy, crazier than we think our our little stories are, and they developed faith in a higher power, and that's what this whole thing is all about. It don't matter what who you believe in, you need to believe in something. And I love my little sister Kim G. You know, when I take people to the doctor opinion and we talk about the body and the, and the mind, can you do this yourself? Can you do it yourself? If you could, you would not be on this line this morning. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Charles H. Monica, you're up, and then Alice M. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater back in Florida here this morning. So here we are in the chapter, we agnostics, you know, we without knowledge. And here's this guy, he's in the hospital, and he's approached by an alcoholic was known a spiritual experience what has happened to him he has had a change he is no longer drinking our friend's gorge rose as he bitterly cried out if there is a god he certainly hasn't done anything for me but later alone in his room he asked a question is it possible that all the religious people i have known are wrong while pondering the answer he felt as though he lived in hell you know I lived in hell for over 40-something years with this disease. It was hell. And, I, you know, we're all human beings. We've all had troubles and frustrations. You know, we've all experienced people dying, uh, um, fatal illnesses, uh, failures here and there. And, well, if you had the mother I had, you would be eating too, you know. Um, So he's thinking about all these things. But then... You know, this guy had had a change, and he knows that he was an alcoholic, and it's like, wow, you know, something happened with this guy, and this guy says, you know, you need a power, 
greater than yourself. So I had to come to the realization, there's somebody, we can hear somebody in your kitchen here. What we have been doing has not produced the results I wanted. What I had been doing did not produce the results I wanted. And I had to come to this realization. You know, smarty pants Monica here had to come to this realization that my way was not working. I could not do this. No one else was able to do this for me. I needed a power greater than me. And the big book at the beginning of this chapter tells us that's exactly what this book is about, is to help you. The main object is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself that will solve the problem. So we're still just in two, step two here. I'm coming to the conclusion. I'm screwed here. My way isn't working, and nobody else has been able to do it for me. And they've got a solution here. Am I willing? Am I willing to give this a shot? I don't really understand. I'm not sure it's going to work. But you know what? I'm willing because my way has not worked. How's that working for you, Monica? It did not work. But this way, hey, today I can tell you this works. It worked. It's called Get a Guide, Work the Steps the Way They're Laid Out in the Book. And oh my God, Step 12, you too are going to have a spiritual awakening. It's promised. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica. And now we'll have Alice M. Thank you, Katie. Uh, just a second. I'm going to try to set the timer by myself for one. Hold on here if I can do this. Oh, oh I can't do it. Okay. Um, my name is Alice. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and better level bulimic. I can say by the grace of this fellowship and and those that have gone before me, especially those that have traveled this on a secular journey and it's um, helped me in doing that. Um, and by the way, um, you know, this fellowship is all the higher power this addict needs. It's a little more than that at this point, but that's all, all I need. And, and 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 no one can tell me um no one can tell me it's not no piece of literature, no human being, no nothing. Because if that's the higher power I choose, um, then then that's 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 cool. Um, you know, this this is just a testimony. This that we read today is just one person's testimony. And, you know, I've read many testimonies of people who are believers and non believers. And I think um, you know, we need to be careful as a fellowship to not take some of these testimonies in this book and hold it up as 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 the truth and direction you know direction because this is you know there's a difference between commentary and the directions in in this book um if you can identify with some of these testimonies in here then wonderful you know but um but you know i don't and that's okay too and where it says you know who are you to say there is no god um for me it was you know who are you to say that I had to believe in God to also get recovery? Um, and I remember that, um, you know, it was my my spiritual awakening was happened one night when I was on a, I was on a conference call um, in like a recovery workshop I was doing, and that particular night, you know, going through the steps, there, there was a great emphasis on religion and God, and, and uh, it was just a little it was just a little too much for me, and I finally I. I, I reached my limit, you know, being told over and over again that I had to believe in God to recover. I knew I couldn't rely on myself. This is not a problem about that. You know, I wouldn't be here if, if it were that. 
You know, so I remember that night, you know, me tumbling off that phone meeting and landing in a state of clear awareness. You know, in, in a few seconds, I was overwhelmed by a conviction of the presence of my truth, you know, and it poured over and through me with certainty and majesty of a great tide of flood, you know, and, and the barriers to my truth and my atheism um, that I was trying to hold in place and others were trying to, you know, were telling me to hold in place, you know, were swept away. And I stood in the presence of infinite self-love, self-respect, self-honesty, you know, and, and, and I knew that I was deserving of recovery, too, and a voice in this fellowship. Just like someone said earlier, you know, they're not going not, to not talk about their religious experience. Well, you know, I'm not, not going to talk about my um, secular experience because that's mine. You know, and I stepped from bridge to shore. You know, for the first time, you know, I was able to embrace my truth. You know, something I knew all along that belief in God was not necessary for my recovery. It was optional. It is optional. And that doesn't mean that I'm saying I rely on myself. You know, it wasn't, it was optional that I had to rely on a supernatural higher power. You know, I felt this incredible freedom. This was about two years ago, you know, that I could stand in that truth of my atheism and embrace it and embrace this journey of recovery on a secular path. You know, no more acting as if, no more pretending. All that stuff was disingenuous to me, and it was counterproductive to my recovery. And I'm just so grateful today for all those who have held that lantern for me, believers and non-believers, to say, you know, go on this path out, find your resources. And I found incredible resources, other other um, addicts doing this in the secular path. And that was really important and key for me. And I'm just really grateful that I'm not living in that hell today. And um, am clear today with what my um, the strengths outside of myself are. And I pass. Okay, well, thank you so much, Alice. And we have time for one burning desire. Is there someone who would like to take that spot? Carrie P. Okay, go ahead. Hi, this is Carrie P., a grateful, recovered, compulsive reader from Massachusetts. And who am I to say there is no God? You know, when I first came into this program, I, um, you know, my understanding of God is, you know, when I went to church, you know, and I got dropped off my parents, you know, I pilfered everyone's coats for change and ran down to the, to the, uh, store to, uh, you know, spend the money. I had no belief in a God. And even when I came in here, I didn't necessarily have a belief in God, but I learned through working the steps that, um, you know, when I first admitted my powerlessness, when I first started weighing and measuring my food, I humbled myself to a power greater than myself. And when I started to get sane, I understood that, you know, there is a God here. And, you know, it is a twister for me. I, I can't pick and choose the pieces I want to take. This book <laughs> was written about me, and if I want to recover and not just be clean and live a life of sane sanity, you know, here it is all laid out. Any problems I have, I can find in here, and there's some times I've been so overwhelmed into tears that this book is like, who wrote this book? I mean, I know who wrote this book, but it's such a God-given program, and, and 
you know, whatever word you want to use for God, you know, that's up to you. And it's so personal. It's just so personal. And, and uh, again, I'm overwhelmed, and thank you. I'll pass with that. Thank you so much. Okay, well, thank you to everyone who has uh, shared this morning. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Nancy H. please read a vision for you? Our book is yes, There's morning. someone chopping. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Good morning, Our I'm Nancy Massachusetts. Our book is meant to be subjective only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.